Hello and welcome to the Meditation Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I'm joined by Mark and Barbara Nelson. Unlike your typical all-American Nelsons, Mark and Barbara are the Paranelsons, a leading husband and wife paranormal investigative couple. Mark is a talented psychic medium who discovered his ability after the murder of his father. And Barbara combines her own psychic sensitivity with knowledge of paranormal investigating equipment. They've worked with sci-fi as ghost hunters, haunted history, and paranormal witness. This episode with Mark and Barbara Nelson of the Paranelsons is just fascinating. We cover a lot of ground here related to the paranormal. Some of their stories are a little freaky, I'm not going to lie. But I love the message that they deliver about their experiences, which is about our abilities to psychically protect ourselves. Yes, there are nefarious energies out there, but you have the ability within yourself to be unreachable by them. You will have heard this from many guests on Meditation Conversation over time. Daniel Scranton talks about this in his episode, for example, number 285, about holding a high vibration and being untouchable. And in this episode, Mark gives us the prayer he uses to invoke protection and a crazy result that he had when he rushed the process and failed to call forth that protection. So I'm excited for you to listen to this. But before we dive in, I want to introduce you to a fantastic service I've started using that I'm really excited about. Quantum Upgrade delivers a high-frequency quantum field into your life to harmonize your energy, balance your body, boost performance, and shield yourself from harmful EMF frequencies. Quantum Upgrade is a scientific, research-backed way to bring much-needed quantum into your life. I've really noticed a difference since I started using this. It is really simple to use, but not so easy to explain. So use a link in the show notes and get your free seven-day trial and feel it for yourself. I'm so excited about the cumulative long-term benefits of using Quantum Upgrade. I've interviewed the founder and CEO recently, and I'm looking forward to getting that episode out so you can learn more about this. Use the link in the show notes and try Quantum Upgrade for yourself. And now enjoy this episode. So welcome, Mark and Barbara. I'm so happy to be with you today. Hi, Kara. Nice to meet you. So... You too. Can you, let's start by just talking how you came into this work that you're doing today and how your psychic skills develop. Maybe Mark, we can start with the link between your father's passing and your work. Sure. Well, I was a pretty typical little kid until one day dad went to work and then he didn't come home. And then we found out he had been killed in a holdup, we think, in a mafia run bar in New York. Uh, after that, uh, we, I mean, we we're trying to deal with it. I'm the oldest of six kids. We we're trying to cope with what we had experienced. So um, flash forward a month after his funeral, I'm out raking leaves. It was fall trying to be normal. When I felt the need to turn around, when I did, I saw my dad standing there. And I he didn't looked know. just like flesh and blood, like as say solid. 90%, 95% really? I'm looking at him and that's dad. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get as a shoe tied or anything, but I mean, mm-hmm. very clearly, very much dad felt very physical in mm-hmm. how he presented himself. And his message was, I'm okay. 
I'm okay. And you will be too. And then he just went away. And it was just shocking to me because I'm a little kid. And you've and never we had really, an experience like that. Nothing like that. Although I was accused of teachers of being quite daydreamy and looking out windows <laughs> all the time and not paying attention. Maybe I was tuning into something else unconsciously. So, uh, and then I saw him again at school. And then I finally said, dad, I don't know what to do with you. And I'm afraid I'm losing my mind. So please go away. And he did for about 25 years, something like that, until one day I was taking a walk in the evening and I was just thinking to myself, I wish my dad could have met Barbara, could have seen our home, met our daughter, Katie. And then I heard this voice say, I have. And then, so I thought, okay, so this is what the onset of schizophrenia is like. Okay. Oh, wow. Great news. And so oh. trying to cope with it, I asked, if this is really dad, tell me something. I don't know. He did. I went and validated it with, it was about a brother. I validated that. Then I had the scary, then I went back and asked for more information just to see, is this a fluke? Is it not? And then I went to, I finally had to tell Barbara, I sure hope this doesn't make our marriage come apart, but I think I'm seeing dead people. I'm hearing dead people. And she was accepting and supportive. And I thank God Amen. for that. Yeah. Wow. I completely relate to that because there are times where and I'm not a psychic medium, but there are times like my where I'll hear things and I know that I'm I know that I can hear it and I know that other people wouldn't be able to hear it. A lot of times I'm by myself, but I'm like, oh, that wasn't an external sound. And sometimes it's like trying to keep me from falling asleep because I'm having mm -hmm. like an experience and then I'm starting to drift off and then I'll hear like a bang. It takes me a minute because it pulls me out of sleep. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely hearing things now. And I know, I know it's more of a psychic hearing, right? but I'm, I hold that very, well, here I am talking about it on the podcast, but I don't go around going, well, I was hearing all the, and sometimes I hear like language or speaking that's so fast, I can't tell if it's English or if it's something else. And, but it's, it is one of those, oh yeah, this is a sign of of losing your mind, but I feel very, like, I know what's happening and I'm confident about mm. it and I'm not worried about it, but I also don't want to worry other people. So it's not something that I like skywrite. You know, hey, I hear voices sometimes <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And uh, there's, we have a term for that. We call it your psychic DNA and everybody has it. And it's actually a real science. It's called psychotronics. And really? your DNA actually has an antenna. And everyone, we're, you know, we're such a beautiful uh, being because we have everything we need within us. And people, they call it intuition or, oh, I just had a feeling not to take that train or not to go out today or whatever. And something happened, you know, and it's like uh, you actually have a psychic DNA and mm -hmm. people need to embrace that when they feel it. It's a part of us. Yeah. And, just like you're waking up from your dream, you know, probably we're picking up on something. Mm. One thing I might add to that too, is that maybe at an earlier time in your life, you weren't prepared to receive those messages or oh. you set them aside because when you get those messages, it can cause you to reevaluate other things that you thought were true or not true. Mm -hmm. So if you can hear people and you start to get messages that may upset your 
vision of yourself as being non-psychic. And so the idea that latent talents can develop, I mean, our history, humankind is filled with examples of people who discovered a talent, not when they were 11, but when they were 50, 30, whatever age they are. And so when you say, I'm going to be open to this, I mean, really too, change is a sign of life. Mm -hmm. So if you're changing and your perceptions are changing, and us too, I have to tell you, in doing this work, you're becoming much more conscious of what else is possible. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll call your messages maybe a little bit of a halo effect. So what do you mean by, tell, say more about that. What do you mean by the halo? The effect? idea is that if you work with healing talents, mm-hmm. that you're applying them to other people, uh, they tend to also give you a little bit of protection, a little bit of healing. You're working with loving, positive, interesting energy. You're going to benefit from some of that too. Even if you see yourself, I'm a channel, I'm a conduit. I try to think of myself as very much, I'm just here. I'm, I've called myself a piece of wire. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to deliver a message. Yeah. And so, but in doing that, I also recognize I get a lot of benefits for myself. Right. And that I, I feel more open and stronger and have greater conviction and discernment in my ability to receive, understand, and deliver message. That's fascinating. Thank you for that. That's great insight. I also have a joke for you. Oh, please. I love jokes. (laughs) If it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a psychic. (laughs) So... If you're getting messages and you're saying, I'm not really psychic. No. Oh, and I'm hearing things. <laughs> I'm not really psychic. I'm going to really? Oh, that's sure. funny. Well, it's funny because sometimes, like, I, I've even gotten, like, twice now, a date that's, like, a few weeks out with the day of the week in front of it. So it was, like, or Friday, January 24th or something like that. And it was December. And I have no idea when January 24th, you know, but I write it down because a lot of times these things happen as I'm going to sleep and I'm married. So I don't want to like turn the light on or turn my phone on, you know, because my husband's sleeping next to me. And so I just quickly jot it down. I'm like, well, I'll be curious to check in the morning if that's actually going to fall on a Friday. And both times that I have heard, it, it's not necessarily, because it's weird, it's not necessarily sound but I just get, the, it's almost like I, I do hear it. There's a voice with it, but I know it's in my head. Right, right. I know somebody's, you know. pardon me? You don't know, but you know. Yeah. I'm like, I know nobody else can hear this out. It's not coming from outside of me. I did hear once though in my ear and it did sound like it was outside of me, <laughs> like a very like clicky kind of thing. But both times it was correct. It was like that day for when it was coming was going to land on that day of the week. But it didn't necessarily. So I was on alert. Like, oh, is something going to happen when that? And this is the interesting thing. I had personal, like, um, let's say I could maybe like a, an up-leveling or something like that, that I could say, well, it was a heightened day, but it wasn't like there was something big outside of me that happened by any stretch of the imagination. And when I've heard the language or I've heard things my conscious mind can't even it's coming in so fast I can't even tell if it's English or if it's like a light language or if it's another language outside of English but an earthly 
So it's my conscious mind can't even process it. It's happening so fast. So that's where I'm like, well, it's not necessarily like a conscious message that I can then say, oh, this is telling me that, you know, it's really like beyond my conscious. I can't grasp it. Does that make sense? It mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. Yeah. What I would also say is that you're, I believe we have guides, guardian angels that look out for us and that yours apparently are giving you little homework assignments. So I would encourage you to be conscious of them, continue to be, and that if you don't know what it means now, I also believe that things tend to unfold. Right. Okay. I'm not sure what that means at the moment, but I'm going to wait and see as you, you were saying about those things. So maybe you're getting prompts, primes, nudges to be more right. conscious of what you do. Okay. Yeah. But many of us get like to Barbara's point. It's in most of us have that a DNA, our psychic capabilities within our DNA, but it's, it's think of it too, like being, be, coming from a family of singers, everyone in your family, they just come out of the womb singing. They're pitch perfect. They got it. I'm not one of those people, but what if you didn't develop it? I mean, there's a ceiling as like, right. you may only be this good, but if you were to say, okay, I'm going to honor this capability I seem to have by paying attention to it, trying to stretch it, do more with it. All of a sudden, you're singing and everyone's listening. Mm. Oh, that's really intriguing. Okay, thank you. That's fascinating. Well, this isn't about me. I'm sorry to have diverted the discussion. Yeah, fun. I know. <laughs> Tell me more about me. So, Barbara, let's hear yes. about your background and how your psychic ability, and I know you have a lot of the technology piece, too, with your right. work. How did all of that come about? So, I first started in the paranormal realm when I was very little. I must have been no more than four or five years old. And I was in bed sleeping and I just woke up and it must have been really early, two or three in the morning. And, and I was sharing a room with my sister and she was sound asleep. So I look up at the doorway to our room and I just saw this it was like a figure of light. It was a misty figure. And well, most kids would hide under their bed or go get out of the car, you know, afraid of it. But I wasn't. I was drawn to it. I was intrigued and trying. I felt it was trying to communicate. And I was like, who are you? What are you? And now then one second it was there, then it was gone. And I felt like, I wasn't afraid of it. I was curious. And so I kept that curiosity because it was like, it was a really, I mean, I was like shaking and I think it was because of the energy, not because I was afraid. And so I kept that with me and wanted to know more. It was like, at that point, it was like, what was that? How I want to explain that. So I kept that with me and I felt I have, you know, the psychic DNA. I have the intuitive. I also have, I have very vivid dreams that are like almost virtual reality. Like I know I'm in the dream. Oh, lucid and I can, dreaming. Yeah, I can like, well, you know, see my hands, move them. And so those are few and far between. But when I do have them, it's like I'm in a virtual world and I know I'm in it. Oh, and sometimes it's scary because it's, am I going to get out of this dream? Am I going to wake up? Wow. Uh, so I'm curious of the intuitive side. I want to 
scientific explanation of it. I come from a family of doctors and mathematicians and chemists, so they're we're very science oriented. But it's that's why I like the science of psychotronics because what it is is psychotronics. It's psychology or paranormal with electronics or mechanical. And so it combines the two. And I think that's really, that explains pretty much what I'm about is I'm trying to give a scientific uh, explanation for what Mark and I do and try and be objective about it. And then I'll give an explanation. For instance, what you were talking about with the hearing, I mean, if you think about sound, it's all about frequency. We're, we're constantly mm-hmm. being bombarded by yeah. sounds. And one of the things which is getting in the way of it are all these towers, the 5G towers with putting off the electromagnetic energies, which is interfering with that. And so what we do at night, we turn our Wi-Fi on. Yeah. And we did it as an experiment to just clear our heads. And it actually, I would recommend it to everyone. Just push the button, turn your Wi-Fi off at night. You'll have better dreams. You'll sleep better. That's you know, very, it, I was a little dubious, but it didn't. It really, it almost, there's this, I mean, Barbara uses the word buzzing, but I just think that it's a, a deletion of energy that we don't really need at night. It's an interference. It, it interferes with our normal, uh, what we pick up as intuitives or, yeah. you know. Curious. It, with your background with these, I for, so you say, what's the word for it? Psy- Psychotronics. Psychotronics. So you, this yeah. is technology that helps to give measurement to some of the... Consciousness. Our consciousness, yeah. basically. It's right. my consciousness combined with technology. So do, have and, you noticed a difference as the 5G towers have become more, pre- like, oh, do you see a difference wide. in those, t- in the readings that you get from the technology? Yeah. And, you know, usually when we're on a investigation, there are no cell phones on. We, yeah, we, we turn absolutely off. turn or all air, the cell phones. Yeah. Right. Airplane mode or off. Yeah. But okay. yeah, it's like, you, you're, it's measured in frequency. And so if you have something to interrupt that, you're cutting yourself off from your intuitive, just your natural picking up messages from your guides or whoever is trying to speak to you or communicate. Yeah. So anyway. So they're off. I recommend doing it. I wasn't I sure if it would make a difference, but it's a nice thing. And yeah. so. Well, thanks for that tip. Sure. So you both are you're paranormal investigators and you've had some really interesting kind of high profile cases. What kind of jumps out at you as the kind of most, I don't want to say noteworthy, but what can you share with us about your work? Maybe you have some stories you want to share. Well, oh wow, two, ca- two cases <laughs> pop up. We did, can we start with, how about we start with Sharon Tate? Yes. Okay. Um, we used to live in the Los Angeles area. And we were invited to uh, go to a home that is not, it is not the home or property where the invest- right. where the murders took place, but it's like a couple doors it's down on-, on Seattle Drive, a yeah. few doors down. And uh, the owner of the home, it's as if the 60s have never stopped. Okay. Really? Uh, he really loves the music. He's, it definitely has a, the art and it's a beautiful home yeah. and it's, uh, and he's an interesting guy. 
this guy named David who owns a home, and we're very thankful for him having invited right. us. Several but, times. But yeah. what's funny is that we were asked to participate in an investigation for uh, Ghost Adventurers was one of them. Haunted History was another one. But when this one time when we went, uh, we were going to be there for uh, Ghost Adventurers, I was working at an ad agency across the street from the Holy Cross Cemetery in Culver City. And so I was a new guy and someone says, hey, you want to go for a walk? And it's like, sure, but I just got to get back because I didn't want to say what I was doing because I don't tell everyone I'm a psychic medium and paranormal investigator, especially when I have a pretty good gig in an ad agency. Yeah. So, and so taking a walk. And so I said, I got to get back. I got to leave here today at a certain hour. Uh, and what's up? Well, I'm going to be doing an investigation into uh, the spirits of Sharon Tate. And the guy goes, she's like right over there. And so unknowingly at the cemetery, yeah. Oh wow! So she is buried at Holy Cross Cemetery in Culver City. And not only that, it's like she's 15 feet away and this guy knows where she is. Oh my God. New goodness. guy I never met. Uh, didn't really, it was just like a passing from someone I'm just getting to know. And then, so I go from where I don't plan to be in the cemetery to I am in the cemetery to I'm standing at the foot of her grave. And then that's the night I'm supposed to go to the, the investigation. So I really wow. felt like she's people in spirit can do a lot of things to grab your attention. Barbara has experienced it in crazy oh, ways. Yeah. She's good with like smells and other things like where I still love that cigar thing you picked up on. Oh yeah, that one house. But anyway, yes. You're all your five senses, you use all your five senses and your six senses. <laughs> yes. So we ended up at the house, uh, walked through. And one of the messages I got a lot, I got a couple. One was uh, from Jay Sebring, who was one of the, the that was victims. His yeah, and it was her best friend. Her best friend. Yeah. And I heard Jay Sebring say, we had big plans. And so I say, Sebring just told me we had big plans. And they play back this video and they hear me say it. And then they hear a second voice saying it. So I thought that was a pretty, yeah, we that's a good validation. See, I didn't make that up. And then also too, but the most important thing I felt like we got, Barbara was there too and other people, but the idea is that, um, they didn't want to be remembered for the last moments of their lives. Right. I mean, you're a fully developed person. You're, you've got plans, you have a baby, you're starting what could be a, an empire. One of the people was an heiress, Abigail Folger of the Folger coffee oh, fortune. Oh, no kidding. One of the victims. Right. This other guy was a pretty well-known writer, or he's a budding upcoming writer. They all, everyone had a trajectory in their lives. Right. How many were, all, were there? Huh? How many victims were there? Six, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, young kid. Yeah, including a guy in the driveway. Yeah. So, oh, uh, but was not related to any of them. Just no, happened to be there. Just, yeah, he was visiting the caretaker who was in the back building. Yeah. And he was just in his car and they came up on him. So he was like just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oddly enough, Steve McQueen, the famous uh, movie actor, was invited to be there that night. He was friends with Jay Sebring yeah. and Sharon. Yeah. Sebring used to cut his hair and he got to know Sharon Tate. And so, but he declined their invitation. God only knows what would have happened. You know, yeah. But that. Right. But, oh, what are their... That was a pretty interesting thing. And Barbara and I both, you she know, said, oh, we're, 
we're beautiful again. That was her message. We are beautiful again. Yeah. And that really stopped a lot of people because people get caught up in thinking, did you get, did you catch that? Did you hear that? But then the poignancy of a young a woman um, yeah. who, in spirit, see, we believe that the people we're talking to in spirit are, in fact, conscious beings. They're conscious. They're just not, I mean, on some, in some places, they may be simply loops, magnetic loops or energetic loops. Very often, they're conscious beings who want to interact with fire, with me, with you. And so it's really pretty breathtaking when you get a message that it's like, oh, that, that's like right from her heart, from her, you know, I mean, she's no longer on the physical. It, the idea that she is beautiful again. I mean, all of these grisly images. I mean, I don't, right. I won't, if something terrible happened to me, I wouldn't want that to be the only thing people look at and think of me yeah. in that way. I mean, it's very sad. It's felt because she was beautiful and smart and mm. doing things in it. She had a whole life ahead of her. There's also an interesting aspect about that whole oh, Benedict yeah. Canyon yeah. region. Jay Sebring had a house that was, what, 10 minutes away? Yeah, very close. Very close. His house actually had a history of a grisly murder, too. Or actually, yes, no. Yeah. The house that he was in was uh, originally built in the early 20s. Early 20s. And it was Jane Harlow and, oh, what was Paul, Paul Byrne. Paul Byrne, exactly. Who was a big producer. And so anyway, Jane Harlow and Paul Byrne were married, and that was their house. And it ended up, what was it, two weeks after they got married? Or? Barely two months. It was two months. They found him dead in his bathroom with a gunshot wound to the head. And they thought, oh, he killed himself. But they're not sure. They're like, did he kill himself or did somebody murder him? So it, it's it, it's ironic that Jay Sebring owned that house. Where it, and Sharon Tate actually got a message. In the house. She yeah. was staying at the house by herself and she felt the spirit of Paul Byrne was there and he showed her an image of a, he was a rope wrapped around his throat and he was tied to something. And so she got really scared. She had this like premonition and I think it was not long after the Manson murders, but yeah. it was almost like Paul Byrne was trying to Forewarned. Wow. So anyway, it, I'm bringing this up because there's like it, certain areas like that canyon has a lot of energy uh, right across from Cielo Drive, Falcon's Lair, where Rudolph Valentino lived. He also died tragically from a, an infection. And there was, wasn't there another famous woman, like a rich woman? Was yeah. Duke was your last Yeah, D Duke. I think was also murdered in that same area. It, it's like you can feel the energy. It's That's what like, I was going to ask. Like, how does it feel for you as highly sensitive mediums and paranormal specialists as you enter into not just the house? You know, I know you weren't in the house, but in the immediate vicinity, and then just that whole canyon with all of the tragedy right. that had happened in. A relatively short amount of time on in Earth time, anyway. Yeah, supposedly that area was also where a Indian burial ground was. Yeah, had it all. Yeah. Wow. Well, I wonder so, if that 
has right. something, you know, that all. Yeah. Or the yeah. Indian is drawn to that too, for that matter. Were they drawn to a certain energy? Um, to your earlier question, Barbara and I, when, I mean, when you go there, you can just look around and say, oh, it's a beautiful place. There's wildlife. There's ex very expensive homes. Right. But right. it's almost like you have to, cut when we do our work, it's one thing I'm talking to you when we're having fun and we're discussing things, or you go to the grocery store, you have your view set to see certain things. But if we're going to do this work, I mean, some people say their radar is always on to some degree, maybe, but if we really want to look at something or feel something important, it takes a little bit of clearing of your headspace, clearing your mind right. in order right. to be really conscious of what's there. Because to go to David's, this guy David's home, to see the area, I think it's, you can tell this is a really exclusive, interesting, beautiful hideaway of an area. But right. there is this other underlying energy that if you choose to look at it, it's there. It's like the difference between, let's say you're reading something on your phone. You look up close, see it. But if you want to see something and then you look in the distance and you can't quite make out what that is because your eyes are adjusting. It's not unlike that for psychic work. I mean, Barbara and I, it's like, got to pay the bills today. I think we need a quarter milk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the looking out further and you no, know, there's something going on uh, in and around us that I, for some reason, well, I can't put my finger on it, but yeah. it's bothering me. An answer to your question about just what we feel it as you're driving up Benedict Canyon and you're getting more into it. It's almost like you, you feel like you're crossing this wall vibration, really? which is, yeah. I mean, you can actually just feel the energy is changing and I don't know if you want to call it a more negative energy or whatever, but something, maybe you know, you, or... yeah, you're definitely crossing into a realm, whatever that is. And so you can feel it. And part of it too is that it's like Barbara and I are both sensitive. Right. And also right. too, we're conscious of, it's almost like if you go to a good Italian restaurant, they're on a good Italian place. You anticipate certain things. And then yeah. when you feel them or you smell them, then it's like, oh, okay, it's there. Well, when we go there, it's like, we know that there's been some real tragedy there. And it's almost like, I'm not making it up in my head, but it's there. It feels to Barbara's point. Like, oh, we're in. Right. <sighs> okay. Take yeah. a breath. I mean, it's so apparent that people that bought that property, shared Kate's property, tore down the house. And then when they built their huge house over that, they raised it above like the what? Found, the, the, it's like, not, yeah, they have a foundation of the house. That's six feet above or something. Like a couple of inches. Like they don't want to be on the ground that whatever you want to call that, hallowed ground or whatever it is. They separated the home. So from even they took it seriously. Oh, <laughs> yeah, good for them. Yeah, I can imagine. It's really wild. So there was that one. But you had mentioned about uh, early on about protection. And yes. Okay, so what we do before our investigations, we always surround us ourselves in the protection of white light. That Mark has a little prayer that says yeah. to our group, we usually hold hands and connect our energies and say some type of prayer. I can tell you it's not long, just right, non-denominational, but 
we surround ourselves in the white light of love and divine protection. We will allow only positive energy to influence us. We will not allow the negativity of others to affect us in any way. All right? So we, and we also try to see, is there a white light around us? Because I feel like that people in spirit can see that white light. Right. People in spirit can also tell, oh, these two can catch and, us. They can hear what we're saying. Okay, let's pick on them. Well, and we did that every time. Except this one. Except one time. <laughs> and what and was the result they, of that? Really? Huh? Isn't that interesting? Had you just yeah. forgotten? Well, we got we, caught up. We yeah. got caught up. But it's like, we usually we stop and prep. But this time we were invited to a home in East Hollywood on Franklin Avenue called the Jaws, the Jaws, house. The Jaws house. It goes by a couple of other names. On the outside, it looks like a Mayan temple. I mean, it really... And the doorway, distinct. you actually, you enter through the... Jaws. Jaws. They're like stones that are pointed a little bit. And this is and like it, a residence? Somebody yes. lives there? You yes. look, up, um, look up the Jaws house on Google. Is it I called the school or what is the name? Or It was, I think, designed by Frank Lloyd Wright's son. Son, yeah. Oh, that's really weird. I just dreamt... I, okay, sorry. I just dreamt two nights ago that my dad gave me like a an interesting piece of art, which and it was like light purple almost to white, like different shades of really light purple. And it was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. And I was like, okay. I, and it was very specific, like shapes, oh three gosh. tiers. And I was like, okay, be on the lookout. Just mental note if Frank Lloyd Wright comes up, here we well, are. Here, okay. Yeah. Well, his son, as I did, if you look it up, it's, I mean, they used a home currently for shoots for TV shows. You need an exotic location. You want to shoot models then in an exotic place, not far out of Hollywood, right? Kind of like in the east side of it. And so we went there and they said that there may be, this home may be connected to the, to the Black, Black Dahlia right? killings, murder. It, it was a, no, a very notorious, uh, infamous Right. Murder that took place in 1947, the Black Dahlia, where a young Elizabeth uh, model, to be Elizabeth Short, was brutally murdered, cut in half, and drained of her blood. It was really quite oh horrible. Goodness. And so, like, this was supposed to be squeaky clean little LA. This kind of thing wasn't supposed to happen. But as we walk up to the house, I see a man in spirit, well dressed, kind of period yeah. clothes. Hodel. Yeah, a little mustache. Yeah. And then I see him and he's like sneering at me. It's giving me like a stink eye, so to speak. And so then I hear in my head, oh, he's the doctor. Oh, he's the, okay, he did this. And oh, you're a doctor. And, and it's almost like he didn't like me seeing that. Right. And so just as Barbara and I are walking up to get started, I'm getting these hits. And I turn to the producer, say, look, if a doctor lived in this house at the time of the murder, he is the one that did the killing and it happened here. And so it's like, oh, and I wanted to go fast because I didn't want um, someone to say, oh, you heard that from one of the grips or you heard someone else in the production right. team talking about it. I wanted to blurt it out as fast as possible. And so then that's why like Barbara and I got caught up into, all right, we're in the investigation mode now, go. And so we had, Barbara had some yeah, horrible, I not good feelings and. That was the first time that I actually felt 
like a vertigo, uh, like a dizziness. And I've heard about it. At that time, I we had already been doing bit investigating all over. Never experienced that type of thing. And but I heard about it. And so I'm walking down one of the hallways. The house was basically, if you can think of a big O, and in the middle is an open atrium area with a fountain. And, and so that there's hallways, long hallways, and the rooms are off the hallways. And so I could just, I could see if you were drugged or disoriented, you wouldn't know where you were because it all looked the same. Yeah. And the entrance was actually, you had to come up through the basement. Yeah. No, and there, and that was, but there was an exit out into their alleyway, but it was so hidden. You wouldn't know where that was. You could miss it. Yeah, you could miss it. And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is like perfect murder trap. If you wanted to trap somebody, this is the house to do it in because obviously they drugged the women. And we're, I'm walking by this one, I didn't know it, it was a bathroom. And I walk right by it and I totally was like vertigo. I was like spinning and I had to like hold up against the wall. And you know, then I kept walking and I turned around and the same thing happened to the producer. She got like dizzy and I go, did you feel that? And she goes, what the heck was that? And it turns out that supposedly, you know, the bathroom had been renovated. But that was the room where some of the actual crime or torture happened. So and were there multiple victims? Yes. At and the, we, over a period of time? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. And we found that out because we got messages that Mark picked up on his accomplice named the Baron. Yeah, it turns out he we did, had no idea he had an accomplice. And it turns out what's interesting, uh, Dr. George Hodell, the chief suspect, he was never brought to justice because he got the heads up that we're coming for you to arrest you. And he uh, took flight and flew to the Philippines, I think it was, right. at a time when we did not have and an then, extradition yeah. treaty with the Philippines. And he stayed in the Philippines for over 50 years. So to avoid so arrest in the United States. Yeah. But his son, uh, who he left behind, uh, ended up becoming a, a detective for the Los Angeles Police Department with a very high solve record. He right. was uh, like 95% solved in his cases. And then he wrote a book called The Black Dahlia Avenger, in which he basically, using his some, some clues that his stepmother gave yeah. him after the father passed, and his own access to Los Angeles Police Department evidence, which turned out to be shockingly empty. Um, empty. He went to the box where all of the evidence was for his father's investigation, found that it was, to be empty. Yeah. It, it turns out that the father was the head of women's services in Los Angeles. And what that meant was, if you're an indigent woman, you're a prostitute, you're someone, a woman struggling at the edge of society, and you are having a physical problem, you would go to this guy. So this doctor had access to women in desperate straits and took advantage of that. Also too, as it turns out, according to his son, that if, if let's say powerful man's girlfriend, mistress, uh, got pregnant, uh, the doc, the good doctor could arrange an abortion. And so 
he had the goods on a lot of wealthy people. Right. They could yeah, need him and he needed right. them. He would basically have these parties, Hollywood parties, have very important people, chief of police, mayor, any heads of the politics in L.A. at the time, and would get them in compromising situations so that he could manipulate them or use them to whatever means he wanted. So it's it's the typical political story where you have you're basically you know what do they call that extorting them yeah so, <laughs> so but anyway the whole point was that uh, we're dealing with this psychopathic sociopathic highly intelligent intellectual genius we'll call he, him an evil genius he's okay. an evil genius but yeah just. And he's looking at Mark. I think he called you a pipsqueak yeah. or something. Well, one thing too with the son, we went and saw that the son happened to be associated with, he was connected to the show we were working on. We heard he was going to be presenting, book his, signing. going to a book signing nearby. Okay. So we went to the book signing. And then before he spoke, so I had to tell you, we just came from your old house where you lived as a kid. I got that your father killed numerous women. And that he did this, he used, he, he, and so, and the guy was saying, yes, yes, yes. And it happened there. So the idea was rather than waiting for him to discuss it in his presentation, we, we told him what we, we And so that immediately let him know that we're, we have something going here, but it was just terribly tragic. Oh, going back to the reason why the protection was an issue. Right. As if Barbara and I left and then we've been married, we're, we've been together Almost four years. I mean, we met first year of college and we've been we were a kid. We were kids. <laughs> we were kids. That's beautiful. And so, thank you. The thing though is that like we have like fights like any other couple. You know, we'll right. have moments where we disagree. And so it we're more low boil as opposed to screaming fights and craziness. Well, after this investigation, I mean, as soon as we get home, we got into what I would describe a real screamer. Right. And this is our worst character. fight we ever had. And I thought Mark was possessed. I, I thought, literally thought he was possessed. And Barbara was, we were both acting out in ways outside of our normal path. But, but what happened was he actually followed us home and he remained with us for about three months. It took a while to get him out, yeah, get rid months. of him. How long did and, it take you to even realize that had happened? Uh, within we knew within minutes we realized yeah, it's we like knew. Whoa. plus I was waking up at night and I was seeing his you know he was standing in the corner just like looking at us and I and I told Mark I'd wake him up I go he's here again so he was trying to come between us but it after it it took about three months it was we had to be really vigilant in mm -hmm. our our faith in our bond and did you exercise we, him well yeah they did a saging use holy water holy uh, had to buy a bottle of holy water in here <laughs> no this we episode blessed. is actually sponsored by holy water yes holy <laughs> water yes. at markmilsonmedian.com there you go <laughs> it's at, well we blessed the doorways uh we mm -hmm. said lots of prayers rosary Mm -hmm. for about three months and then it just felt oh what i'm not gonna waste my time with you and then 
yeah. was gone, but it's really weird. In the back of my head, it's, uh-oh, is he coming back again? It, it's like I always have this thing in the back of my head, but. It's fascinating uh, that you have that contrast experience, though, where you're like, we're very vigilant every time we protect ourselves in white light. And then but you do have the time that you fail to do it. And what the so it just shows the power of the invocation right. that you do. Well, in truth, we really believe that there is good and evil in the world. Light and dark. There is Light positive energy and yeah. evil energy. Um, in terms of an exorcism, we didn't, it, it, I don't think that we required yeah, we, that. Yeah. But there's a level less is oppression. There's possession, oppression, and then I think maybe visitation. But I mean, oppression is bad. It can cause many people to act in aberrant ways. Right. And think, to do things that may, that are outside of their normal character. So, um, but you have to know it's happening. You have to be conscious of because it. Because if you don't, you're, a lot of bad things can happen and you can leave yourself open and vulnerable to a possession. And I Which, thank God that I yeah. have Barbara. We both looked out for each other. It's like, there's something wrong with you. I think so. There's something wrong. What happened here? We got slimed, so to speak, to use the Ghostbusters 2 analogy here. <laughs> yeah. We got slimed, but it's it can be serious. And so... Right, that was, and we actually had to go back a second time, and that's the first uh, you didn't place want to go, yeah. I told Mark, I go, I can't go back there. I just, I did not want to go back again. And but I went back there realizing, okay, it's like going we did into go the, back, like going into the lion's cage. But we were more prepared. <laughs> we had our shields up. Yeah. Yeah. To know what you're dealing with, and that this guy really was in life a genius. He was a concert pianist as a young it's like a child prodigy musician like at age nine yeah he played in like a huge stadium up in the bay area did a, he went to medical school full-fledged doctor became very powerful yeah and, so i had a doctorate in psychology too yeah so that's where i think he knew how to manipulate people and yeah and he was like one of the top surgeons. he he was trained i guess they're training yeah. What he did to Elizabeth Short was an actual training of the dissection and the draining of the blood was something that they taught in medical schools. And so, but you, it had to be done in a precise way, which he was very good at. I have a feeling he took the skills he learned and then applied them in, a very, on, in, yeah. a, in an evil way. Yeah. I mean, they don't teach you to cut people out of medical school, but I mean, they teach you how to handle a body and what to right, expect from it right and so that's what happened and but, she uh, was the only one that they found that they linked to this site but yes. you guys were it sounds right. like you picked up that there were a lot of other victims but also the son yes, yes. and research yeah and he told us and we already knew basement is a very weird yeah, area yeah. it's like there's still uh like tufts of dirt and concrete because the father actually built this hidden room which was all concrete and so some of the residue of the concrete was in the basement and that's where mark believed some of the bodies were and the son also agreed he actually tried to get permission to go in and excavate excavate because yeah. he felt there were bodies there too 
And so, and why would someone have this concrete hidden room? Yeah. I mean, I mean, literally, it's like it was well, behind a wall. When we were there, it was a busy street. Hollywood is a right. bustling, busy, noisy street. When we went down into that basement, it was soundproof. You couldn't hear a thing. I don't know about you, but I don't, we really don't have soundproof areas in our home. And there was this, it looked like the trappings of an altar. Right. It's like right. it was a stage with a stone altar and it's like, or a concrete altar. But all of the, anything that might be a symbol of some kind had been stripped away. So you had only like this basic form, but who does, that doesn't look like a poker table. This isn't like ping pong. Right. This is, there's an odd built thing that someone did with a, a lot of resources and money for a specific purpose that we can't see what that is at the moment. Right. They did that. And I asked the, uh, we met the owner of the house and I said, do you live in this? <laughs> and he goes, no way. <laughs> I don't live in it. He just rents it out. But it's like, I don't know who could live in that. I mean, it would. It would gnaw at you. You wouldn't get much yeah. sleep. That's for sure. It would prey on you, gnaw on you. Yeah. And this this man is deceased now, the one who fled to the Philippines. Yeah, he passed yeah. a while back. I, I yeah, was, and who knows what he did in the Philippines. Yeah, that's right? another thing. Yeah, no up, idea. Ended up marrying a much younger woman. He was in his 50s and like an 18-year-old wife. Wow. Right. Yeah, who does that? Anyway. Oh, my goodness. So, so one of the things that I think about with the stories that you're telling, specifically with the basin that you talked about or the canyon, there if there are like hotbeds for paranormal activity mm -hmm. do you have any theories as to why like locales might sort of draw paranormal activity or like suspicious human activity you know, where it's like a lot of tragic things happen in a certain geographical area has your right. work led you to any conclusions about that well, we have some, th I mean, theories, yeah, theories. ley lines, that yeah. there are lines that seem to go around the world, mm -hmm. seem to have a lot of energy focused in and around them. Also, too, uh, certain mineral minerals in the ground seem to uh, impact an area. What was it under David's house? Was it iron? Was it? Yeah, quartz. Quartz, like a lot of quartz. Yeah. It's almost like the, it's like a natural battery of some sort. So. Yeah. I also or, it attract, yeah. it tends to pull energy in. Right. So uh, there can be the beauty of a location, or it can also be the, the minerals they found, what's in the ground. And I do believe that there's something to do with ley lines. I mean, because there are areas where it's like, okay, it's hot here for some reason. Hot being there's activity, there's energy. In addition to when, say, a lot of people, we'll call it a ley line. Uh, people are drawn to it. They don't know why. Right. But they start to bring energy to it. I think that can happen. That may have happened with David's house, this guy, David, where he was very open and welcoming to these spirits. He created an environment that felt like something that was very familiar to them at the time of their passing. In addition, when people show up with an intention, I mean, it's, I believe in the power of intention uh, to a degree. So you have. And it's not one thing. It'll probably be five things. You've got David had a unique uh, mineral uh, source under the house. Uh, he was in close proximity. His place also to people and spirit. If you uh, speak their language, we had that on the Queen Mary, where 
someone we were investigating with on the Queen Mary, the ship in the Long Beach Harbor, spoke German. So we were in the hold of the ship where someone, uh, they used to keep the prisoners. German prisoners. Yeah. He began to speak in German and all of a sudden, all of our electrical, all of our equipment started in response to his speaking. Yeah, like how many are there here? Yeah. And it would, our lights would blink the number of people that were present. So and, I can, yeah. So to your point though, like it can be part what's in the ground, part the ley line, that canyon attracted a lot of human activity and a lot of it may not have been positive. Right. I mean, because on the flip side, there are very spiritual. Yes. Like Good Sedona, point. Arizona is a very yeah. spiritual. I'm going there next week, actually. Oh. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously. Chief <laughs> <laughs> you know There are other things that you have said that I'm like, okay, that I haven't even interrupted you to be like, well, there's that thing, but here you go with Sedona. Going there in a few there, days. There's some beautiful areas. Yeah. That, bring in like positive. really positive good energy to go going to the ocean the ocean has a wonderful positive energy it's rejuvenating so there's, there's good and bad energies all over yeah we really do take seriously the idea that there can be a demonic presence in certain places we haven't run into that but we have dealt with really dark energy right. that causes people that might appear to be very nice, do uh, heinous things. So I got to believe that and, there's and evil and there's also positive good and love and miracles. It's funny, Mark, he can sense right off the bed. we in the hospital in Los Angeles. And I'm like, I wanted to go in this one room. And he goes, no, you don't go in there. They don't want you in there. They don't want you. Yeah. And so really I listen big. to him. I go, okay, I'm not going in there. <laughs> Yeah. So there's all kinds of things that energy can be manifested by positive and negative forces. Well, it makes me wonder, so talking about the Manson murders and things like that, where it's like, and I don't know a lot about, I mean, I know who Charles Manson is, but I don't know a lot of the details of the that heinous tragedy. Right. But it makes you wonder, well, what kind of influence were people like Charles Manson or people like the, the evil doctor and things like that? Like what kind of influence were, might they have been under as sure. well or susceptible to? Oh, yeah. Uh, I do think that we'll call, we'll say Satan, we'll say evil. Uh, they will use a number of ways to corrupt ordinary people. There was this one movie we just saw, what is it, Nefarious? Oh, yeah. And it really made my hair stand up because it seemed to... Nefarious. Uh, I think you can rent it on... Yeah. Oh, you, YouTube has it. Probably. It's really worth seeing. It's a very realistic, very simple. I think there's only a few actors in it, but it's the dialogue that shows how the devil can, or how this evil can sneak up on you and not you don't even know it and it just it's insidious you don't just have one incident where all of a sudden you have an innocent little kid minding his or her own business all of a sudden they're the snarling insane possessed somewhat human person in it aligns with my understanding 
that there are evil energies, that I also tend to believe that if you have compromised your own health, you, you're involved in heavy drug use, you're involved in compulsive behavior, you are unable to control, that puts you in a weakened spiritual uh, state, in which case then you are more open to suggestion by other beings that would like to control your behavior. Right. So uh, that's where oppression comes in. That's where all of these things. But was, I just brought that movie up is because the quote unquote possessed, be, the deep demonic possession was speaking through this guy and saying, oh, we start here and then we do this, we do this, we do this, we do this. Until finally, you've got someone doing something that is hard to understand in a normal human context. How could someone do something that evil and not even blink? And he was picking up on the guy's weakness. Oh, yeah. And that that's the thing, too, is that, see, people in spirit will often recognize that Barbara and I can hear them. And so they tend to go zoom to us in a group. And we've had that on multiple occasions. And so you just need to be conscious of it. And this is for you and any of your listeners, as you become conscious of your own ability to hear, to listen, to experience things, be aware that not all of those beings may have your interest in mind. They may want to exercise some control over you to cause you to behave in a way that may or may not be helpful. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And that's that's one of the things that I always try to be diligent about when I'm falling asleep, because again, these that's when for me personally, I am most likely to have some strange experiences. But I, the first thing I do when I close my eyes is talk to God and, you know, like, okay, protect me and be with me and um, and not out of fear, but just as let's partner, you know. And really, regardless of your, I mean, your religious faith, uh, Jewish, Christian, whatever else you are, the idea is that God, if you have a connection, a relationship with God, ask for protection. If anything, this work has caused Barbara and I to become much, much more conscious of our relationship with God because we've become much more conscious of what's not God. Right. Right. So you guys do a lot of your investigations, which is what we've focused on today. Do you also work with individuals? Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I have a website, marknelsonmedium.com, and I'm going to be, I mean, I speak to people around the world. I'm really blessed. I have clients in Europe, Bermuda, Mexico, across the United States, read for people. Australia. Australia. That, so... People get to me and I can read for couples or groups. I've done platform events where I'll make appearances for um, platform reading is fun. You get to be in front of hundreds of people at a time and to see how you can be of service to them. So, and then Barbara and I also do appearances where if you would like us to be at a conference, uh, an event, we can do that. And if someone has- Or investigate. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people who come up to us and say, oh, I, I think the house I grew up in was really haunted. It was a farmhouse. And it's like Mark and I are always open to different investigations just to see what we come up with. Yeah. But that's where you find us. And okay. Barbara, also, you were on Instagram. Under- yeah, Instagram under Para Nelsons. And that's where we update 
different negations were on, different thoughts, um, paranalysis on Instagram. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been really, really fascinating. And thank you for the work that you're doing to help people to understand how to connect with the light within them and to shed light on all the different aspects of the beyond the typical human experience. Well, thank well, you for doing this. Too. You're doing wonderful work. You're helping raise consciousness of things that are seen and unseen. Well, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation. Meditation conversation.